With over 65 years of combined business experience, Virtual Web Department brings practical, real-world experience to small business owners. Web development, social platforms management, and audio-video production expertise at an unheard-of flat fee price. Visit Virtual Web Department at virtualwebdepartment.com. When it comes to business, it's important to know your why. We've talked about that many times on the Business Buffet. If you don't know your why, you're destined for increased challenges when it comes to being successful in business. Is your why more than just making a buck? It should be. It should come from a place that lives deep in your soul. Today, we'll talk with Mark Michalik, Principal, CEO, and Chief Technical Architect of Intellitech Corporation about his unique journey in the business world and how his business has less to do with making money and more to do with changing the world on this Ingredients episode of The Business Buffet. We have all wondered what are the ups and downs of different types of businesses. As business owners, we've even wondered if starting another business is the best option. Business Buffet Ingredients is meant to give you a taste for what it takes to start and successfully run a business. We'll reach out into the world of business and interview success stories and present them on our smorgasbord of business helping options. Strap in and get ready to taste the finer business points. Welcome to today's Business Ingredients. I'm Phil Anderson, and today we're going to go deep. Yes, our podcast aims to give you, the small business owner, tips and strategies that will help you navigate the tumultuous waters of small business. But business is and should be more than just making fortunes. Of course, you have to make money to stay in business. But when it comes to, a, to business, it's vitally important to know your why. We've talked about that many times on the Business Buffet. If you don't know your why, you're destined for increased challenges when it comes to being successful in business. So is your why more than just making a buck? It should be. It should come from a place that lives deep in your soul. Do you have a giving mentality? Again, you should. We hear how good business leaders are go-getters. If you look at the great ones, they're actually go-givers. And we will be talking a lot about that in the upcoming weeks here on the Business Buffet. Today, we're going to have a conversation with Mark Michaelis, Principal, CEO, and Chief Technical Architect of Intellitech Corporation, about his unique journey in the business world and how his business has less to do with making money and more to do with changing the world. Now, I first met Mark at the Innovation Collective, Fireside Chat, and knew right away that we need to have him on our podcast. Mark founded Intellitech with his wife, Elizabeth, in 2006. Now, Intellitech Corporation is a high-end software architecture and development consulting firm based in Spokane, Washington, that provides software design and related services to a range of clients, around 75% of which are located in the Inland Northwest. Its clients have included companies such as Avistacorp, Schweitzer Engineering Laboratories, Hagedon Corporation, Tecla Mining Company, Idaho Power Company, and a little company in Kirkland, Washington, uh, known as Microsoft. Its offices occupy about 2,000 square feet of space. In all, it has 25 full-time employees, give or take, and it also uses five to 10 contractors as needed. They also have an offshore team in Romania. 
Now, as I said earlier, Mark founded IntelliTech with his wife, Elizabeth. The business philosophy of Mark and Elizabeth is it's not about lining their pockets. It's about changing the world, which is what intrigued us right away here at the Business Buffet. Working with various organizations, the couple now funnels more than half of their business profits to charitable causes, mostly in Africa, but also to some humanitarian efforts in other areas of the world and locally. Mark holds a Bachelor of Arts in Philosophy from the University of Illinois, the Fighting Illini, and a Master's in Computer Science from the Illinois Institute of Technology. Without further ado, let's welcome into the Business Buffet Kitchen, Mark Michaelis. Hi, Mark. How's it going? It's going great, Phil. Thank you for the introduction. You're very welcome. So I, I'm going to ask this. This is not even in the list of questions that I have, but a Bachelor of Arts in Philosophy? What the heck? How did that, how did that even happen? <laughs> yeah, um, well, it's, it's not really a, high, a great story, but I was studying electrical engineering at the University of Illinois, which is one of the top schools in the country at the time. And I think uh, after sort of the first semester of my junior year, I realized I couldn't fix my, my own stereo, that I knew everything at a molecular level and I could do, you know, linear algebra to the nth degree and knew all this hyperleading math, but I couldn't do the basics of, of what was required to fix basic electronics in my household. So I decided to switch to something really practical like philosophy. <laughs> That's awesome. So, I mean, but, the, re the reality of it is philosophy okay. taught me how to think. And that sure. turns out is really important. So I didn't, I don't know if it was a good decision at the time, and I would certainly not approve of my kids doing something like that, uh, especially in today's world where education is so expensive. But in hindsight, it really taught me to think, and that was that turns out to be crucial no matter what you're doing and what career you're going into. And I think I use that ability every day in in almost every task that I would work on. So it's it's not so bad as it sounds. No, I, and I actually agree 100%. I you know. In this day and age, man, and I use man as in all humans, we don't think as much as we should. Uh, we're, we're programmed to just go and go, and, and we don't really sit down and actually think. Think through problems, and many do, but, but the vast majority do not. So I think it's, it's a really good tool. Uh, Two-part question here, uh, and I'm not sure which one I want to ask first, but I I'm just going to go with this. Uh, how do you measure success, and then to what do you attribute your success? Success for, for me personally is probably the impact on people's lives for the better. Uh, what kind of impact can I make uh, that's going to change your life and change it for the better? And you know, I think that included in that, you know, sort of highlighting ideals, sort of, you know, um, you know, am I loved? Am I am I loving others? Uh, am I setting up a legacy that I that I feel good about and I can live with? Um, so, on a personal level, I think that that's sort of the perspective that you're striving for. You know, on a corporate level, it's, it's very much driven around, um, you know, sphere of influence. You know, what what kind of change are we making in the world to make it better? Uh, and I say world, thinking it in sort of multiple terms, whether that's in terms of um, ourselves personally, um, we think of the concept of what impact are we having on each other within the office, and are we, are we sort of mentoring and improving people, not just in their programming skills or engineering skills, but also into how they interact with people and how they talk and how we interact as a, as a team. 
Then obviously at a customer level, you know, we we spend you know many many hours uh, on customer projects and designing and building some some fairly complicated systems. Are we making the customers' lives better? And if we're building for the customers' customers, are we making the customers' customers' lives better? So if we're going to go build some you know some high-end video editing system that allows people to go do forensic video, you know, what are we doing to now those customers to to do that better so that when they take the, the video evidence into a court system, we're actually able to provide the truth uh, in that system that allows people to go free justly or not go free uh, because of the fact that they have committed you know, some kind of crime. And that, you know, these are just you know examples, but you get the idea that ultimately we, we have the ability to affect many, many lives, and we want to do that in a way that's positive. And then, um, and then at the world level, we, we, we are committed to to changing the world internationally. And so we do um, spend a significant amount of time thinking about where we're going to give the proceeds from you know, the profits that we make such that we can make the world a better place for people that are often not thought of or considered. Um, and so we do that you know, in Spokane at about 10, 10% or so of our giving is, is here in Spokane area. But the majority is going towards extreme poverty or injustice uh, in trying to fight those causes uh, around the world. Uh, and we have sort of, um, I have a philanthropy coordinator that I work with and, and meet with regularly and to discuss sort of different things, different projects we can invest in. Uh, and I use that word carefully. I think it really is an investment. It's not just a donation. It's something right. where we, we're thinking carefully about what we're doing and the change in effect it's going to make. But did that cover your question? Did I, did I respond? Yeah, you did. In fact, you uh, actually started answering my next question, which is I was going to ask you about your philosophy of change in the world and what that looks like. Uh, can you go a little bit more in detail on, on what that looks like? And we're not talking numbers and things like that. The percentages are great. Uh, how, is it more of a hands-on thing? How do you choose where your monies are, are being uh, diverted to? Yeah. Well, I'll sort of start about why this happened. You know, when, when we started in, in Teletact, no, sort of when I got married, my wife and I sort of went through a discussion about, well, how much money should we be donating? And we sort of had a minimum bar of, I think the expectation was, well, if we just donate 10%, I think that was sort of an expectation of that seems a reasonable thing for you to donate 10% pre-tax. Um, what would you, what would you be doing? And we sort of said, well, let's, let's try to see that. Let's, let's imagine. And I'm going to give rough numbers. Uh, I don't, you don't need to get into the details of this. But right. let's say, well, at that time, I'm making, making, I was making maybe 30 grand, or I was actually making less. But um, what if we donate maybe 15%? Uh, and so we said, okay, well, we can donate the 15%. And the discussion sort of continued to say, well, at some point, we hope we're going to make like 50 grand. And which at that right. point was like, oh my goodness, I can't imagine. Um, but when is, so if it possibly happens? Right, right. So, <laughs> so what if we, what if we what if we decided that everything above 50 grand we would actually donate at a higher percentage? And we intentionally did this. We did this then, maybe because we were naive, we didn't realize, but the idea was if we can be content living of 30 or $28,000, then surely when we get to 50, we don't need it all and we can give away at a higher percentage. So we increased the percentage. You know, again, rough numbers, not really right. the details, but you know, 25, if we did 25%, so from 50% and up, let's go and increase that donation to, to sort of 25% number. Um, and, and so again, you know, after discussion, we said, okay, well, that's, that's reasonable. So I'm 50 K we're 15% about 50 K we're at 25%. And like, right. what comes after that? We're like, 
oh my goodness, but I can't ever imagine making a hundred thousand dollars. But we'll put it down on paper just in case. That you know, if that does ever happen, you right. know, what if we decided that above a hundred thousand dollars we would donate it, you know, fifty percent? And and I think at that time we sort of thought, okay, a hundred thousand dollars, that's a heck of a lot of money. Right. Um, for us, you know, where we're at right now, but yeah, okay, so I'm, I'm hoping to do some computer stuff, maybe I'll make some money, and that's my work sure. out, okay. So it's at $100,000, like, let's let's have donated the 50% or more uh, percentage points. So again, looking at the calculation, it's it's sort of, you know, 50 to 100, and now over 100, we're just going to donate a 50%. I think at that point, we just sort of stopped. We said, okay, well, I, that's sort of where the limit is. You know, we're not going to make $500,000 or a million dollars. Those are numbers we can't, we can't even comprehend. Right, uh, right, and right. So we sort of stopped there and we sort of said, okay, but if income is about that, and it's just, you know, then that's the way we're sort of going to donate. And, and the reason I started that story is when, um, when I started getting income, uh, I, I was working for a company at full time and, and my salary was right around there and right around the 100K number. And so on the side, I had this sort of weird deal where I was, I was, um, I was speaking at conferences and I would sort of travel to once a month to go speak at different conferences and I was getting money for doing this. And so we thought, well, everything that I'm getting is clearly above this sort of 100K mark. And right. so let's go ahead and set up a company so that we can track all the income coming in as a way of easily uh, putting it aside and say, okay, well, we're donating at the 50% number for all money that's coming in. And, you know, they were looking for, you know, um, EIN numbers and, you know, they were treating me like right. a company. So I said, well, let's set up a company and we'll just sort of have this right from the start. We'll just donate it 50% because I'm getting paid, you know, full time and this is mm -hmm. just additional bonus money. And so we set up, you know, our company as an S-Corp with the purposes of, of putting money aside for what we're going to be donating uh, after that. And so that, that's sort of where it started. And, and, you know, I, I, I sort of mentioned that just to say, I didn't really go into this idea of I'm going to run a company and I'm going to be a CEO and I got all these dreams. I mean, it wasn't really like that. It was really around how do we put aside money so we can mm -hmm. continue to donate out of the blessings that we have. So now back to your question, uh, eventually when, you know, the company was up and running, we were doing this, uh, you know, I eventually left with a full-time job and started doing this full-time. We needed to, it was a significant amount of effort to figure out donating or, or sort of giving is hard. I'd love to be able to tell you, oh, it's so easy. You just do this and this and this. Right. But it turns out giving is really hard. It's actually hard to give without hurting people. Like it's quite possible you can give money that, that doesn't make the positive impact you like. Um, you know, you, you can imagine, listen, oh, I'm going to donate all the extra clothes I have. Then you're going to donate and we'll send them to Africa. It turns out because of the incredible number of kind people donating out of their excess and sending clothes to Africa, the likelihood of you starting a cotton industry where you grow your own cotton and you can go ahead and make T-shirts or, or whatever you want to go ahead and make is very, very difficult in a market like Africa. But if it turns out they get all their clothing from the United States secondhand and you're going to have to compete with free. And that's a very, very difficult market to compete with. So right. while I appreciate what people are doing in their donations, so often the donating that we do is out of our desire to not feel guilty for having something close. Well, let right. me give them away. And it turns out that that's hard. It's not as easy as you would think. And so I started meeting with uh, a person. We meet weekly. And we sort of started discussing these. And I asked him if he would help me coordinate um, the donations that we were doing and what organizations we worked with. And we had sort of worked 
at that time, my wife and I, we sort of got a, a handful, you know, five to ten different organizations that we worked with and had different focuses, uh, and we worked with them. And then as the giving started to get up, you know, like the sort of dollar figure started to increase, we, we learned that we could sort of have influence over what the money was doing and, and have a better idea rather than saying, okay, we're going to support 30 kids. You know, we could say, hey, what if we built a classroom? Or what if we built a school? Or what if we took care of a compassion program for kids one to five? Or what if we built 30 well? You know, something more specific. And, and so then we started to think of it as investment. If we're going to make an investment, what is, what, what is it that we want to invest in? What would the change and the impact be in starting to do that? And so I worked with the, what is now my fantasy coordinator, uh, who's a dear friend. Uh, and we sort of worked with the organizations we have. And we sort of sent in, okay, if we gave you, you know, I don't know, $100,000, what kind of things would you propose we could do? Uh, what, plan, what projects would you have that we could undertake? And, and some of it became important for us to sort of figure out, well, when we took $100,000 and we donated that to a $30 million water plan for Tanzania, it really felt like we were making no impact. But if we said, okay, well, the, the amount of money we're donating to this organization is this amount, what's the impact we could make? And what could we do that could say, hey, this is, this is what's happening. That's something I could share with employees and say, well, we built you know, this school or this classroom or we invested in this justice program, you know, Northern Uganda or, or whatever the case was. And so that, that's sort of the, the, the intent here is at this point, we're donating a level where we have good contacts within the organizations we work with and we coordinate conversations with them and they send us proposals and we go through those and we sort of try to figure out, you know, what, uh, what we want to invest in and what change we can make. So it's interesting <clears throat> hearing the story. It brings me back to a, a, a number of things I've heard uh, through Rotary because I'm a Rotarian and are listening to the Bill and Melinda Gates talk about they go into a situation where they think they know what's best for the community. And it's not ever that it's, they need one thing. They we're sometimes thinking at such a higher level and they just need to get the lower level stuff built up first. Right. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. You said this. I want to segue into this. So does your company then have that, share your same philosophy or culture like what is your hiring philosophy do is that a consideration when you bring uh employees on to to uh intellitect um you know it's it's not i think there is a natural self-selection you know so we will off we probably this is not something that we would talk about us doing uh mm -hmm. in the interview process until maybe the final interview we might just share it as an offhand comment uh, but in the first, you know, I would guess the first two or three interviews that an individual would go through, that's probably not something we talk about it. But we w we do frequently encounter and have uh, the interviewee bring us up and say, oh, well, I was checking out your website before before coming over, and I saw you did this. I'm I'm really intrigued. Could you tell me more? And so a, a big part of our interview process is to give an opportunity for the candidate to interview us. And this is frequently a question that the candidate may bring up. Uh, in terms of trying to understand more and, and trying to sort of get a picture of what intellect's like you know i i i think pretty i think pretty strongly into daniel pink's uh philosophy around his book called drive he talks about three different um requirements that are important for you to have uh to keep employees committed and and and, and make sure that really what the, the issue is is job satisfaction to keep job job satisfaction high 
And I think it's both on the part of the employee and the employer that this is, these are true. But the characteristics of quality that you should be looking for in a company that you would like to work for, you know, Daniel Pink describes the three as being autonomy, the ability to do work and do it autonomously, not be micromanaged, be able to make, make choices on your own and, be, uh, uh, right. and do well at those choices and be trusted really in the end that you're trusted to do the right thing. Um, if you talk to sort of Brene Brown's kind of approach, she talks about um, assume a positive intent that, that the assumption is you're doing good work and you're, you're doing great, you're doing great stuff. Uh, he, Daniel then goes on to talk um, about, uh, so I talked about autonomy, he talked about mastery, or you're a master of your craft. Do you have the ability within your company to become an expert and become, you know, a, a true guru in the, in the type of things that you're working on and become an expert in doing that. And so we have to give the ability for employers to become experts, become masters of their craft. And that's huge. And then from an employer perspective, I and mean, so all of those things are true. And I think we sort of, we can do those. They're easy. But the third one that he talks about is purpose. And you, you mentioned in the introduction about, about sort of lining my pockets. And if the purpose of my company is to line my pockets, I'm not sure I could, with a straight face, expect anyone to come work for Intellitech. That seems right. like a really hard, hard pro, uh, proposal. And, and if you're a for-profit company, what exactly is the goal in the end? Is the goal right. to line my profits, uh, pockets? Is the goal to line the stockholders' pockets? Uh, you know, what exactly is the end goal of the company such that you feel like there's purpose in coming and spending eight plus hours a day right. or, you know, however many years of your life, 50 years of your life, I'm just making up numbers, you know, sure. but it's, that's, it's a pretty big deal, right? So if you haven't figured out purpose, um, that's a question you should be asking yourself personally, whoever you work for. It's a question you should certainly be asking for your employees and, and the, the manager as, as a leader within your company. What is the purpose drive in the end? Uh, and so if I talk about so what exactly is the purpose, I think that's why I sort of say, look, it's sphere of influence. And for us, it's not sphere of influence just for ourselves and for lining the owner's pockets. It's not even just for lining the employee's pockets, profits, because if I'm donating money, then that's coming out of you know, that comes away right. from how much I could compensate employees. That's which exactly right. Some yeah. Very interesting consequences. I've had employees tell me, Mark, that's very nice and all, but I think you just give us, give us the money. Right? And <laughs> I've had them say that in, in group meetings and, and sort of had to go. And my, my response is, I am so glad that I've created an environment that you feel comfortable to say those kinds of things, that you don't feel like I'm going to, you know, knock you down and, and beat you up because you went and spoke your mind. I feel great that you had, the, the wherewithal to, and confidence and safety within the organization to say that. But at With the end that of the day, said, right, that's right. you need to know that uh, we are making choices at a corporate level that's decided it is not about us. It's not about Elizabeth and I, my, my wife and I, and it's not even just about you as an employee. Now, that's not to say I don't care, but our goal in compensation is to be absolutely fair. In fact, our goal in compensation is better. We want to be more than fair. We want to communicate that we value you and we think you're awesome and you're doing great work. But our goal is not to make you, you know, uh, to, to take all this profit and be able to use it to buy a bigger house. Or, you know, you know in my case, I got many employees who may have lake houses or something like that. And I'm like, I don't feel like I need to go allow you to be able to buy a bigger lake house or go buy a, a yacht or something like that. Right. Um, our goal is to, to really... Um, what I consider sort of spread the blessing. And I really do think this as, as I'm just, I feel incredibly lucky. I'm not sure what the right words are here for this. Um, 
And I, and I want to share that. And I don't think it's because I am amazing. And I don't think it's because I'm an incredibly great engineer or incredibly great leader or that IntelliFact is amazing or wonderful. I mean, I might think that, but I don't think that's the only thing about, um, about IntelliFact. I think there's many things that have just happened because of circumstances. And those are circumstances that cannot happen when you're in South Sudan living in Tijorid or something like that. That's, that's, that's not the case. So. It's interesting. Uh, I went on for so, a long time. I don't no, no, that. that's good because you're talking a lot about the giving mentality, right? Uh, if you give without expectation, then you're going to be blessed beyond belief, right? Uh, we are running another ingredients, I believe, in two weeks. On May 7th, we're publishing one from uh, Bob Berg, who wrote The Go-Giver. And so that will be something people will want to listen to as well because it's really – all about that right is having that um in your heart uh it's got to be more important than just you it's got to be about other people and sometimes i think our society gets a little upside down on that mark let me ask you because this this is the question that is i'm really intrigued how people answer this as the ceo right how do you handle the fact you are at the top and there is nobody else to answer to or asked for guidance? Um, no, well, that's not my world. You might talk to some people that are like that, but that's mm-hmm. certainly not my world. I, I, I think there's lots of people I, answer, I have to answer to. You. I, I think, you know, I have to, just, there's no doubt I have to answer to my customers, right? My customers have demands of me and, and requests, and, and, and I need to make sure that, that we're doing something that is, that is, uh, what they need and, and delivering on, on their expectations, uh, both in terms of excellence and time and cost. There's, there's tons of expectations for customers that, that are really important. And if I can't do that successfully, then there's no point in talking about giving. That doesn't make any sense. If you can't mm-hmm. deliver a great product, then it's irrelevant how much you want to give or how good your heart is or any of those things. It's, in fact, in, you know, I don't, I think very few customers even know about anything to do with giving within the first year of us doing business with them. At the end of the year, um, we have the organizations that we're donating to, they will go ahead and send a letter to our customers and say, thank you for the business, um, as a way of letting them know that because of the business that they did with IntelliTact, we were able to, as I say, build a school or, or change the lives of, of widows and, and whatever. Um, but that's not something most customers have any idea about until mm-hmm. after, we, after that year so they chose to do business with us, not because of a marketing campaign that we were doing or sure. because, oh, we heard you, you know, we want to do business. We want our customers to, to choose us because we have incredibly good engineers and the product that we're delivering and creating for them is exactly what they want. Uh, and they're, they're super pleased with, with the excellence that we deliver. And then on top of that, they may find out after some period of time, hey, not only that, but we're not only thinking about profit and allowing Mark to go buy a yacht. What we're really doing is thinking about how we can go change the world. And so that for us is not a marketing campaign. That is something we're doing. We never even talked about it for the first 10 years of the company. It, we, you know, it was never mentioned. And eventually we started to do it because we're giving away at a percentage that we had to pay taxes on. So it turned out that there's, you know, there's a certain tax level. And if you donate above a certain percentage, then you've got to pay taxes on the money you're donating. And so we, we worked with some accountants and sort of figured out, well, right. if we donate it, we can put it in different categories, then we can expense it differently. And, and there's some tax rules around that. Allows to do it. And it's just for that reason that we started talking about it. 
Uh, and so it's not a marketing campaign for us, and it's, it's, but we are reporting, back to your question. Uh, we are, you know, I'm definitely reporting to my customers. I also mm-hmm. think I'm reporting to my employees. You know, at the end of the day, um, my job is, is to serve employees and make sure that, you know, things like job satisfaction is super high. My job is to make sure that when employees come in and say, Mark, this is not working, or I'm really frustrated with this customer, or they're making completely unreasonable demands, or, you know, my wife's pregnant right now, and I just can't do this, or whatever the scenario is, um, you know, my job is to get in there, get my hands dirty, to, to understand where employees, uh, how they're doing. And I, I definitely think I'm reporting to employees. Uh, yeah, that's on, a really good on, attitude. You know, to setting have a job. Again, I think this is the right attitude. I see the no, I, I agree, but but at, at the end of the day, there are there are going to be questions that you have to answer, and uh, not every question is cut and dry, right? And so that's where the the basis of that question came from. How how do you navigate that when you have to? I mean, a critical question. You're the the top dog, and if if you make the wrong choice it can it can go south right and but even that i want to do that in community i want to do that in collaboration with my team um and and so i i just i it's really hard for me to think well first of all there's a couple things to think first of all i don't think i'm always right mm-hmm. so if we allow me to go make uh unilateral decisions uh in a way that has huge consequences for the employees and the customers right uh, knowing that I'm not always right and I don't always have, you know, the corner on truth. Uh, if I had <laughs> any idea that I did and if I could make those unilateral decisions, that would be disastrous, right? Really, I want to do this in collaboration. I want to invest mm-hmm. in collaboration with my employees. I want to do a collaboration with my team, the leadership team, the architects in the project. Uh, and I want to do a collaboration with the customer. Hey, we decided to do this, not because I'm right, not because I said this is the way to do it, because we collaborated, we heard each other, I got your perspective, you got my perspective, and together we came to what we think is the best answer. At the end of the day, that means your answer is better. I mean, we're going to have a better answer than just doing what I say. And gotcha. and if that's not the case, I mean, there are some cases, like the giving case, where I'm saying, look, this is who we are. This is this is what we're going to decide to, to do. And and. You know, you can either choose to continue to participate in that or not, but I'm not really taking your opinion about whether we give or don't. Um, <laughs> am I interested in your feedback? Am I interested in your feedback as to where we should give or how we should give? Yeah, uh, am I interested right. in you participating in those discussions? Of course, we have a matching program, so employees can go ahead and donate, and we'll go ahead and match. Now, they don't get to do anything. If they said, hey, I'm donating to my son's baseball team, and it's a nonprofit, would you match me? I'm going to be like, mm, that's really not where my heart is at. You know, I, I'm looking for for... To, to make an impact that's a little bit different than, you know, the suburban uh, suburban family's, you know, baseball team. It's not quite right. the same. Uh, right. So it's not even that we'll donate to anything, but we, if it's thoughtful, if you understand what we're doing, what we're trying to do, we, we would like to match people in their donations and stuff. Again, employees, uh, you know, there's a limitation for what we do. So, but there are, there are the limits to, to what that is. And there's times where I have to say, we have to sort of, work with my leadership team and say, we've decided that this is better, even though we've got employees that think, no, we should do X, Y, and Z. It's pretty rare. Just to be clear, I, I can't even think of any examples. We're just not, we're just not unilateral type. We're just not a unilateral type of company. Uh, and I think we're better for it. Don't rule with an iron fist. That's, that's probably a really, really good thing. <laughs> so that's fantastic. So well, the times that you do when you're wrong, the consequences are oh, so high. Yeah, I mean, okay. so high. 
Oh yeah. And, and the so fallout. I just think we can we think better because we can do it as a team. And the input. I, I asked a question recently about billing. It was a really detailed question. I answered, and and I asked the question to a, a number of people on our leadership team. And the answers they got back were were just so helpful. They 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 dealt with any temptation I might have to do something that that wasn't um, that would have had required us to change contracts or a bunch of other things that they just had thought through and like. Straight, this is what we should do. And I'm like, oh, I'm so glad I asked my team and I didn't just wrestle with that on my own because they just gave me clarity. They gave me understanding and I, I felt better about the end result for sure. And that, of course, uh, comes with uh, trust, right? You have had experience in the past that, you know, has worked out. And so that raises the trust bar. And that's fantastic. Right. So, right. Mark, I w- really want to uh, thank you for spending a few minutes uh, with me today after just writing a book. You just got that turned in, I understand. What uh, You want to tell us a little bit about that book? Yeah, so I've written a number of books, actually, and this was a, a book on a, a programming language called C Sharp. Uh, and oh, so nice. I just finished the draft of that yesterday um, and got that submitted. And so that's a huge relief of sort of my, my time and stuff like that. There's still a bunch of work to do. So if, you, if you've not published before, you sort of you write your first draft. And then in my case, we go through a development editor formatting and stuff like that and then it goes to copy edits where they actually you know check your grammar and your english and turn it into actually something that's mm-hmm. readable uh and then you start to get a page <laughs> so i still get a lot of steps to go i mean i think the book comes out in, in june or july i believe uh so there's still a lot of work to be done but the main part of this is complete and so i think this is the this will be the seventh edition of that book uh i've written some other books too but of that of that particular book it's the seventh edition i started writing it i think in 2000 Around, I'm not sure when that first book came out, but I think it was around 2003 uh, is, my, is my rough guess when this book came out. So it's been going, it's been out for a long time now, I guess, close to more than 15 years. Oh, that, congratulations on that. Yeah. We will uh, yeah. look forward to this next edition of C-Sharp coming out in sometime in June uh, when maybe people can read it and actually be amongst each other <laughs> instead of being locked down. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think it would be July. I'm just guessing July, but yeah, it's right, June or July is, is good, isn't it? Yeah. Well, fantastic. Mark, again, I want to thank you very much for spending a few minutes uh, with me today. And this is all in alignment with what we're trying to get to our listeners in terms of just don't make it all about the transaction. It, it, it goes deeper than that. Yes, we need yeah. transactions to stay in business. No one's debating yeah. that. Yeah. But when yeah. we put the yeah. transaction above everything, uh, yeah. we, we will not be growing like we could. So I want to yeah. thank you again. And, You're welcome. Uh, thank you. Have a have, good luck, and uh, we'll talk to you down the road. It was great talking to you, Phil. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Mark. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Business Buffet Ingredients. We hope we tempted your business taste buds with something sweet. Please share this podcast with your friends and show them that you are the smartest person in the room. Visit businessbuffet.page and sample all the flavors of the business buffet. We hope you eat hearty in business.